Hey, Cassidy Villabern Baracus here, uh, the Indigenous Programming Coordinator at CFUV 101.9 FM, broadcasting from the beautiful, traditional, and unceded territories of the Kwangan and Wasanich peoples. What follows is part two of the Historical Natives radio documentary, Tales of Sasquatch. If you want to catch the first part, or the whole episode in full, go to cfuvpodcasts.com. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy the show. What should you look for when trying to find the Sasquatch? My name is Chuck John, and there, there are actually a lot of signs that um, other people don't notice, and they're simple signs like um, broken trees that are broke way off, 15, 20 feet off the ground. Like say one will go left, one will go right, and one will go backwards. And the same thing, uh, because um, sometimes you'll see a down tree by the road, and a lot of times, like, I'll be hanging onto the road. And if a person, a lot of guys will just cut it off and say, "Oh, a tree fell over," but it it's over in a in an odd position where it's not from wind, and it normally fell by itself. And if you walk inside the forest to where the tree fell, a lot of times you'll see other trees that are fell but in different directions from the same spot side by side that's one of the signs and another sign that you would see is uh, you see a big tree and all of a sudden you'll see a, a branch on the ground but if you look way up or three quarters of the way up the tree the branches are usually about four, four or five inches thick but they broke off about about three feet from the trunk. And no normal thing can break a branch that thick and that close to the trunk. Especially if there's three of them in one spot and way up on it, three quarters way up the tree. Those were broke by something. That's one of the signs. And um, one elderly guy brought me out to his country and he showed me in a in a field away from everybody, all the roads and all the all the areas like his hunting area. And he took me to this little open, and there numerous trees were in the down. Not normal. It's it's some kind of a mark. They're they're marking. It could be a. Um, family things or something like that, I guess. And another one I, I've seen that it's family thing, yes. They're in Whistler, British Columbia. These the guide was showing these um these tourists these uh trees that had bark missing on the side, which is which is a native way of peeling the bark off a cedar tree. But in the back they weren't even looking at this tree upside down in the ground. 
They didn't even notice it. I noticed it. People have probably heard of the lack or crack you hear in the forest. I've come upon that one at one time. I was going to go look at this new area. It was kind of open, but when I got close, I heard the loud whack, crack, and I kind of knew what it was. So I just turned around and left. Not to be a, not afraid, but it makes your hair stand up in your neck <laughs> when you run into something like that. <laughs> it's scary. You try not to get scared because they won't hurt you. They, if they were going to hurt you, they would have hurt you already. They're not. They're not out to hurt anybody. I think they're seasonal, almost like nomads. They'll move. They'll move with the with the animals. And up on the high right now is when the the wild vegetables matter good. And down here is when the berries are ready. A lot of times, if you're if you're in the forest and well, even away from the forest, and you can see the treetops. You look at the treetops, and you, in some places, you'll see a broken tree in the forest all by itself. Myself, I think that's a mark because I've seen those fresh broken branches that were. I know they aren't wind because they're, they face in different directions, and they're too high for anybody else. And there are trees that are about four, five, six inches deep and they're broken on the top in different directions. And sometimes uh, branches are taken down off on one side. They let us know they're there. It's their mark like, or uh, a sign for each other. Well, they just uh, let you know that they're there. They give you signs like uh, throwing rocks and trying to scare you. Um, they don't mean any harm. And um, you just have to tell them uh, you're just going by. We're not going to bother you. It, they tell you to uh, not to go in their territory. Um, when they're when they're howling at you. Oh, that's them telling you to like back off. Yeah, don't go oh. that way, or there could be dangers. Tom Suda is a member of the Kwakwaka'wakw tribe from northeastern Vancouver Island, British Columbia. He is also half Cree native from Central Canada. Tom is the host of Sasquatch Island podcast with One Strikes Radio. And he says the best way to find the Sasquatch is to either follow the deer and their migration or watch the rivers and streams for fish. You see, in our, uh, not only our culture, but other cultures on the coast, is that there are our protectors if we accept them to be our protectors. But if you fear them, that means you have, it, it makes fear in your life and it be there all the time. But when you accept them as your spiritual protector against wild animals in the bush, 
that's what they do the rest of your life so you don't fear them and they don't bother me and I don't let them fear I don't let them uh, put fear into me and uh, so that's that's the way I've been taught by my dad and the elders and uh, they are our spiritual protectors when we're alone in the bush no giant grizzly bears will ever um, harm us or animals or any bears. On the other side of the coin is that the Sasquatch is an interdimensional being that can travel between different dimensions and realities, like physical and spiritual worlds. That they exist everywhere around us and that's why they can appear and disappear right in front of people. They're uh, shapeshifters, and uh, they they do um, what do you call it? Teleport themselves to different places. I had a friend of mine who had an interesting story. He told me about Fern uh, Bridge. It's a photographic memory. He's got a built-in compass in his mind, and he can recognize everything when he walks in the bush. He knows which way to go, this way, that way, to go back to the road without a compass. That's how good his uh, photographic memory is. But he said he went down in Burnt Bridge one day with his nephew, and then they were walking, they were making their way out, and he told his nephew this way, and they walked in that direction, and then they kept going in a circle. They ended up in the same spot four times. And then he stopped and what the heck, what's going on here? And then he kept looking around and he looked and he looked and he looked and he said, what's different, what's different? And then he looked at the creek or the river. The river was going backwards. And what the heck that river's going backwards i know where we are and sure enough soon as he found out the river was backwards he went in that one direction and he was out they're shapeshifters they can form into a that being and, and and not leave a footprint But we know they're there, and, and I've talked to some elders that have actually um, communicated with them. They don't speak, but you could hear them in your mind. It's kind of, um, I don't know how you would say it, but I was, I looked at my buddy and I says, really, he says, yeah, you look at them, if you see them and they look at you and you could actually hear, you could communicate to them back and forth without speaking. It could, it's almost like reading your mind. <laughs> there are evil ones and, and gentle ones, just like people. But also some of our elders say to leave them alone. They're, they're our ancestors and your ancestors won't hurt you. So with that, they could be like a, a time travelers and I've heard of them too, from the old folks that go from one zone to the next so fast.
but they say a 10, eight to 10 foot being can't hide, but they can. There's a place called the Montana Vortex that was a sacred place of healing for the indigenous people of the area. Unfortunately, the land was bought by Joe Hauser, who has been exploring its paranormal activities, and so far he's found about four. But there's a house on the property called the House of Mystery, where you can stand on one point of the house and be totally slanted. But they have experienced Sasquatch activity in the house. You can't see it, but you can hear its vocalization, such as huffing or growling. If you were to take photos of the house, you'll see glowing orbs all over. They suspect that this is how they move around without being seen. Stan Gordon is a paranormal UFO and Bigfoot researcher who believes that the sightings between UFOs and the Sasquatch are connected. When you see one, you'll most likely see the other, either a few hours or days after a sighting is reported. So what were your encounters like? Okie dokie, my name's Elaine Corner Beans. <laughs> I'm Anishinaabe from Whitetown First Nation in Northwestern Ontario. I uh, have a big husky, or had a big husky German Shepherd, Resmut. <laughs> he is a very friendly guy, um, protective. And we went to Canoe Crossing in Bellacoola. They call it Canoe Crossing, I don't know why. Anyways, we went there. Um, there's two outhouses there. Um, uh, when I let him out, he took off on me and then I was calling him and he didn't come back for a long time. So I waited by the car and then I started walking toward him and I heard this rustling in the bushes and then he came running back, but it wasn't him in the bushes. He came running down the road, down the little pathway. And I thought, oh, maybe I should get into the car. And... Because you're also up in like Bear County too, right? In Balakula? It's grizzly country. Um, so I got, I went back to the van and I put the, I had a van at the time. So I put my dog in the, in the van and then I drove down toward the river and parked a car close enough so that I could get in if I seen a, if I saw a bear. Um, so we went down by the river and there was still rustling in the bushes. And then I get really anxious when I talk about this day. Um, we continued to hear them rustling in the bushes, but my dog wasn't alarmed and he wasn't afraid. So I wasn't afraid. And then he, he took off and I called him back and he came back this time. He came back quicker. And then we were standing by the river and we heard this rustling in the bushes and we both stopped and looked and he wasn't alarmed. So I didn't get scared. And then, um, uh, I had to go pee. <laughs> so I thought I'd go find a spot by a tree somewhere. <laughs> I hate telling this part, but it's the truth. <laughs> so I walked up toward the van. I walked past the van. There was a big clearing there. It looked kind of weird. 
was just a big clearing and it smelled like poo and I thought I thought it was the toilets that was that was making that poo smell but it, I guess it wasn't the toilets um, so anyways I went to pee in this clearing behind a tree and I felt like something something was watching me or somebody so I'm like this there's just me and my dog here I wonder who it could be so I was looking around and then all of a sudden looked up in a tree and there was this big huge I can't even describe it it looked like a big body it wasn't black it was blue it was like a dark blue like a navy blue or royal blue anyways I was like what the hell is that and my dog wouldn't come into the clearing he just stood at the the entrance of the clearing so then I finished my pee and I got up and I'm like what the hell is that and I continued to walk toward it and then as I got closer I started to get um, I started to feel afraid and um, this big huge body was straddling the branch it was a big branch big big tree big branch and it was looking away from me and so I walked toward it and I started to get really scared as I got closer so I stopped and my dog stopped like he didn't come with me and I said why aren't you coming with me you're supposed to protect me and he just stood there and looked at me and I looked at that thing in the tree and then I took a picture of it and I said I'm sorry and I walked away really fast to my car and I put the dog in the car and then I was just about to get into the driver's seat and then the um, there was a heart rock on my car and so I grabbed it and I said thank you and I drove off but we were there for three or three and a half hours and it didn't seem that long that was the strangest thing was that it didn't seem like we were there for three and a half hours so I got I was driving and I was like what the hell is that and I just felt like I was in a daze like I went into some kind of portal I stopped at my friend's place um, which was maybe five minutes down the road and she wasn't home and I was like what the hell and I looked at the picture I took and it just looked like a big black blob but that's not what I saw so then I got back I got started my car and I drove down to the store and I went to see Eric and I told him he was like what's wrong with you and because I, I guess because I looked all freaked out and like I, I was my face was different and then he said what's wrong with you and I said oh I I don't know I said I saw something in the bush over there and he was like where were you and I said I was at canoe crossing and he was like you were there by yourself he said no I took the dog with me and he was like well that's where the Sasquatch that's where everybody sees Sasquatch he says did you see one I said I think so I don't know so <laughs> anyways he, he was the one who told me that that's where um, they've seen a lot of Sasquatch like different people have seen that and heard them there and have had experiences there with with those spirits I guess they're spirits anyways um, I get really I still get really um, nervous when I talk about it I could feel like a 
adrenaline running through my body. So yeah, that was my experience. That was really scary. Um, well, not really scary, but kind of, I don't know how to explain it. But it wasn't black. People say they're black, they're not. The one I seen, um, it was like a dark blue. It was all just dark blue. I thought it was, I thought it was, um, somebody had hung a pants up in a tree. That's what I thought. <laughs> it's weird. Anyways, it was weird. It was like a time warp. Looking to get up close and personal with nature? The Victoria Bug Zoo has a ton of awesome bugs waiting to meet you. Come discover more than 50 species of arthropods from around the world at 631 Courtney Street, downtown Victoria. Opens at 11 a.m., seven days a week. Yeah, um, we, we did see one, but uh, we never got a close glimpse of it because it climbed so fast and it moved these big trees where a man can't go, where we need ropes and uh, things that climb that only take some seconds to get up to a point of no return. If you've seen these mountains here in Balakua, um, you try to climb one, and uh, it take, take a, takes us hours to get up there, and it, where a matter of minutes, these uh, uh, so-called Sasquatch, they say, uh, climb just as fast. I took your mom uh, hiking up that uh, Tatsuan Mountain, um, for instance, uh, the one I'm talking about, uh, it's called Tats Fun Mountain. Your mom really wanted to go up there. I said, oh, you want to go up that hill and straight up like this? When you climb and you're looking way up, and uh, I said, yeah, well, we're going straight up. Yeah, yeah, I want to go, I want to go. Said, okay, and we didn't bring any water or nothing. It took, a, it, took a, it took us an hour to get up there to that point. The mountain I'm talking about is the one we climbed and, uh, and that's what we saw go up that mountain. Matter of minutes where it took us an hour. They seem to know we're there, uh, humans, us humans, where we are. It's like they got that vision of that night vision so they can see us. They always, the elders always say they go in, in the mountain, inside the mountain. We've actually, a few years ago, about three years ago, we had, we did a, well, every year we were doing a unity ride. We rode and ran for 570 kilometers on horses and foot runners. And at one time, the Duffy Lake Road had a slide, so we were the only ones on the road. And there are no other cars because the road was closed, but we were allowed in there. And we rode through there with the horses and foot runners, and we, we took a break. And one of our drivers 
seeing one across the creek. So she alerted everybody and says, what is that? And so we all started to go look and, and a big tree fell right in, right towards us. Like it didn't just fall. It was slapped into the ground like a thump really hard. So two of us went over to take a look at the riverbank and a great big boulder landed just below us on a, on a creek bank. The boulder was, I would say a foot, over a foot round. I took pictures of it after, but I didn't go then, but I went later on. In two weeks, I went back to look for it and I found it. I found the boulder that, that was thrown. It was, it was a big boulder. And I actually, actually, this is crazy. I actually found two piles of scat, so I took pictures of it. And I got home, I the same pictures what I took as it was on on Google. On, that's what it showed. And when we went back to um, to look for the rock that landed, I knew where to find it because. It, the river bank, or was Cayuse Creek Bank, all the rocks and that are blacks, but this rock that was thrown was covered in dirt and had chips on it where it bounced around. You could tell it bounced around on the bank. And when we went back, we seen on the bank, we seen the, the big wide tracks that came up to the bank to, to see who we were to look at us too, I guess, after we were gone, because we took off after that. <laughs> I've actually seen a, a cell phone picture of, a, of one up in a tree, but it was across the lake, but you could see the shape and the form. And they had two pictures and both forms were the arms were in different position and he was way up in a tree. <laughs> That's so yeah. cool. Yeah, <laughs> and um, it, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, at that same place, they, these these guys were leading um, youth groups and they were on, on their way, way out and the trees were crashing beside them down the mountain. So something was following them, but out of sight, but you could hear them. <laughs> Keeps them all in line. Those are some of the things that I've, I've run across. And I've also, like in our territory here, one of my buddies actually seen the footprints in the snow. And at his place is where the big branches were broken. And, and you can sense, you can sense them there, like the dogs will sense it. And they won't make a sound, they'll just crawl in the corner and curl up and don't move. They know they're out there. And my brother-in-law actually, he lives up by himself up in a mountain. And he said he could smell them when they come. And at one time, he had a box of apples on his back porch that they were going to can, put away. He put a towel over it, and the next morning all his apples were gone, but 
but one and the towel was still on top of the box. <laughs> it put the, put the towel back, covered back his, covered his apple box over again. It left him one apple. <laughs> That's funny. Do you have anything else you'd like to say? And uh, my advice to anybody that uh, wanting to know what they are or they have too much fear of them is not to fear them and just know that you have the creator's protection on you and so they wouldn't bother you even if they come to your house and slam on the walls because that's what they do too so you have a lot of fear of them so don't fear them they're spiritual protectors if you want them to be. And I don't let them fear me. And uh, I th that's what I believe. It's, it's all within each person themselves and they go in the bush. Yeah, I believe in the Creator and His protection. And other people don't. There's a lot of people that don't believe in the Creator. So. The creator is the creator of all creation. I think we shouldn't go hunt for them. Just leave them alone. Like when I talk to talk about it to some elders, they don't answer. They won't comment. In other words, leave them alone. They're 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 like us. They don't like to be bothered. <laughs> but I, I kind of agree with that. If they if they want you to see them, you will see them. If we don't want you to see them, you won't. Myself, I feel that I'm getting really close to seeing one because of all the close signs I've run into. I know they're there. When they want me to see them, they'll let me. But not yet. And when I do, I'll let you know. <laughs> um, oh, um, one more question, I guess. Um, so speaking of like hunting them and stuff, um, do you think that the logging industry is having, having an effect on their um, territory? Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, it won't too. stop them. They'll, they'll just take a wider route, that's all. It'll, mm. A clear-cut logging will, will stop a deer and confuse them for a while, for a long time, so that they actually disappear from that area. Like a, a clear-cut logged out area is like a, like a fence. For an animal, right? We go by the trees and the shape of the trees against the sky. I mean, so we'll know where we are. And same with the animals. You don't, you can't see the ground, so you look at the top of the trees to know where you are, where the gullies are, where the trails are. And I'm sure they're the same. But I imagine they can see in the dark. Unlike us, we can't. 
but we never get lost. Sometimes it takes longer to get back, but we don't get lost. <laughs> And whether you believe the Sasquatch is an ape that has yet to be fully discovered, or is an interdimensional being, all can agree that they are humanoid and living deep in our woods. We would like to give a big thank you to Noel Bootless, Chucky John, Elaine Quandabenz, and Eric Hunt for interviewing with us. We at the Historical Natives believe in reciprocity, compassion, and uplifting Indigenous communities and voices. That's why, with every episode, we include a call to action detailing easy ways you can materially support Indigenous peoples. Since the story of the Sasquatch is common across many nations, we have a variety of links on our website, thehistoricalnatives.ca. There, you can support a variety of Indigenous-related causes and learn more about the impacts of colonization. Before we go, we wanted to let you know that we are on Facebook and Instagram. We are the Historical Natives on both of those platforms. We also have a Patreon. Thank you to those who have already signed up. It helps us tremendously. Right now, we only have a $5 support patron tier available. However, we're in the process of providing further tiers with lots of cool benefits. Also, don't forget to check out our website, thehistoricalnatives.ca, for our beautiful 10 out of 10 merch. Miwe, Panima, Minawa, Kikawabi Mugum. That's it. We'll see you at a later time. This podcast was produced at CFUV with financial support from the Community Radio Fund of Canada, the only organization mandated to provide financial support to nonprofit radio stations in Canada. CFUV is a nonprofit radio station broadcasting from the University of Victoria campus on the traditional, unceded, and unsurrendered territory of the Wasanich and Lekwungen peoples. Visit CFUVpodcasts.com or search for CFUV wherever you get your podcasts for more homegrown, cutting-edge content. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you have a nice day.